counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. There ain't no second place in Lambo, it's a whole new game. You either go big, go hard, or go on back home. You got to feel it in your gut, you better want it in your bones. Welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast. We're 2-0, Wags. We're looking on to week three. How are you feeling about the Green Bay Packers this week? I couldn't be feeling any better, Dane. The way that we've started this season, uh, have not necessarily played our best football uh, all around uh, when you're looking at both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. But guess what? We are indeed 2-0, and uh, we have an opportunity, I think, this week with another home game on the slate. Uh, certainly a, a, a tough opponent in the Denver Broncos, and they're going to be scratching and clawing to get a victory. But a good chance to get to 3-0 and after Sunday. I love our chances this week, and I'm the first person to admit I watch Green Bay Packer football games, and after that I watch whoever the Packers are playing, and then it's everybody else. I don't watch a lot of football outside of the Packers these days, but I watch the Packers, of course, very closely. Uh, but what I do know from our Fantasy Football League and from uh, a little bit of research we've done ahead of this game is uh, they've got a bit of a running game in Denver, uh, they've got Joe Flacco at quarterback who's got a Super Bowl ring, and we'll talk, I'm sure, a little bit more about Joe Flacco a little bit later. Uh, they've got some good wide receiver talent, Emmanuel Sanders working his way back from injury, um, young tight end in Noah Font, and then certainly one of the best pass rushers in the game uh, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so I think the defense can be expected to be pretty talented, and of course, their defense or their head coach is a former Chicago Bears defensive coordinator who certainly knows the Green Bay Packers pretty well. Yeah, and so he's going to, I think, have a good uh, read on this opponent. That was a low-scoring game between the Bears and the Broncos last week. Came down right down to the wire, and the Broncos almost pulled it off. So uh, you know that even though they uh, did not get the victory, it's not going to be a rollover game by no. any means. Uh, we're going to get a quality opponent uh, that's coming in. And as I said earlier, really going to be doing everything they can to pull out a victory. Yeah, and I think he's this week, uh, certainly on the, is the, the offensive side of the ball, is to keep Aaron Rodgers upright again and run that football. And those are things that I think that we're seeing improvement on. I'm, I'm curious to see what we can do in week three. I saw this week that Coach Lafleur said he'd like to start to even out the snaps or, or the touches, excuse me, the running back position, maybe see Jamal Williams touch the ball a little bit more. What do you make of that? Because I think that Aaron Jones is a dynamic running back for the Packers, but I see where Coach Lafleur is coming from because I'm not sure if Jones is a 20 to 25 touch a game guy. I think he may be more effective even at a 15 or so touches a game. Uh, and then if you have a strong running game with Jamal Williams, it just makes Aaron Jones stronger and better and have that burst late into the fourth quarter. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just about week to week, but looking at the full season. And I thought Jones certainly held up very well uh, throughout oh, yeah. that game on Sunday. Career high in carries, as you mentioned. But um, we want to keep him fresh. And I think we see how important that is to Coach LaFleur. Uh, they used 
Wednesday as kind of a mental day, yeah. a very light walkthrough for a practice. Uh, so, and in, in certainly they didn't do a lot of contact throughout camp, <laughs> rested all our starters. Mm -hmm. And we've had a couple nicks and injuries, which yeah. uh, we can touch on here before we start breaking down the game. But um, overall, you've got to be pretty happy with the, the training plan and, and keeping guys fresh and healthy. So far, it seems to be paying off pretty well. Yeah, and you mentioned injuries. I think the big one that was a bit of a surprise to me this week is the injury to Jimmy Graham. Sounds like he's got a bit of a groin injury, hasn't practiced this week. Um, I didn't see anything during the game to, that made me think that he was injured, so I'm a little shocked that he's on the injury report. So I'm not sure exactly where it happened, but Weggs, if he can't go, and it looks like he's starting to trend like he can't go, um, how do you think that this affects the Packers' offense? Well, for one game situation, I don't think it's a, a huge impact. Certainly Jimmy can be a big part of what we do, but... Um, on the other hand, silver lining is we started to see the receivers get a little bit more involved in the pass game last week. And perhaps if they're not, you know, trying to work in everyone across all position groups, um, and I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers is ever going to force the ball to any particular player, but um, sometimes it's just nice to know that that's not going to be an option. So these other guys have to step up. Um, and so I think with our receivers not getting a lot of action so far outside of a really nice game from Adams this past week, um, it might be an opportunity to get some of those secondary guys going a little bit sure. in uh, Geronimo Allison and MVS and maybe even a uh, Jay Kumro um, and, and get those guys out there in some space and um, and get that uh, ball moving a little bit more down the field. Yeah, and I think an indication that maybe Jimmy's not going to be able to go is the fact that we elevated Evan Bayless, a uh, tight end from the practice squad, up to the uh, full 53-man roster. Evan Bayless, a lot of you fans out there heard our podcast during previews uh, of the preseason know that we were high on him. Wags, I know you predicted uh, before the year when we said that he was signed to the practice squad that he'd be making his unappearance on the roster at some point this year. Here he is. He was number 49 uh, out there in the preseason, switching to 88 for the regular season now as part of this roster. You know who else was 88? Bubba Franks. Can we get a couple touchdowns from Evan this week, Wags? Uh, well, we'll see. And let's see what happens tomorrow with practice. If Jimmy's able to go, uh, he's not going to be a guy that needs a full week of practice in order to get out on the field. Uh, perhaps he was, you know, he may have just tweaked something out in the game. As you said, I didn't really see yeah. when it may have happened, but you can wake up pretty sore the next day with any type of muscle or abductor injury. So um, I, I, we'll, we'll just wait and see what happens uh, to see if, if Jimmy's able to go to, uh, during practice tomorrow. But if he can't, um, I don't expect to see a lot of uh, multiple tight end sets. I think uh, we'll see Mercedes Lewis out there as a blocking tight end. And uh, I think we'll just see a, a few more three and four wide receiver sets 
then with this offense. Certainly we saw a, a, a bunch of formations with both Williams and Jones out there at the same time last week. So we may continue to see more of that. We may see some more Danny Vitale, which I know yeah. is music to your ears. Give me the fullback. Uh, yeah, so um, there's some a lot of things we can do. And, and, and frankly, Bayless, I think, is m more likely to be out there as a blocker than he is as a pass catcher anyway. Um, but he can contribute. So um, if Jimmy's unable to go, uh, we'll certainly need to get a few snaps out of him on Sunday. Yeah, and um, I think that uh, let's stay on the injury front here. Were there any other injuries right now? Montrevious Adams yeah. didn't practice Wednesday or today. Were you surprised by that? Because another guy, I didn't see anything during the game. However, that's a violent position, so no surprise if he's a little bit banged up going into this week. Yeah, and the way he's been playing, that would be, you know, uh, hopefully nothing significant um, since, again, we didn't see what happened during the game. So we'll see if he's able to go tomorrow. But the way he's been playing, uh, that would be you know a loss, uh, even in just one game. So hopefully he's uh, able to uh, get some time in that training room and, and recuperate and be ready to go. Um, I don't know if, uh, if he would be allowed to go in the game if he doesn't practice all week. I'm, I'm not really sure how this coaching staff approaches that. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly uh, in past seasons, if... Guys didn't practice all week unless it was, you know, one of those key veterans that you know can just get out there without any reps. Um, usually they didn't dress then on Sunday. Yeah, uh, and uh, speaking of injuries, we've got some really good news on uh, Darnell Savage. Uh, I'm so pleased he left, after, uh, he left after last week's game with a boot on his foot. Sounds like it was more of a, a bit of a contusion. Maybe somebody stepped on him, but it sounds like he's going to be good to go this week. And I am so happy about that because this young man through two games has been a, just a missile out there, playmaker, uh, breaks to the ball, doing everything that go coaching staff is asking for him. And uh, talk about a guy who I'm just excited to watch continue to develop in week three. And I'll tell you what, I think the interceptions are coming pretty soon for that guy. I think so, too, and I would not be happier if it happened starting this week. <laughs> um, another just note, I, we don't expect him to play this week, but Oren Burks was able to get it back on the field on Wednesday in that walkthrough as uh, a limited participant in practice. So hopefully that means that he's getting closer to being a full participant in practice, and maybe in the next week or two we'll see his return. And uh, frankly... I am excited to get him back on the field mm -hmm. because, um, you know, it was only one game, but uh, I, I wasn't uh, too encouraged with what we saw from his replacement last week. Yeah, B.J. Goodson, he played a lot more snaps than I think the Packers were expecting him uh, uh, to maybe to start the year once we, once we got him in here. I think that we're going to see... Um, you know, we're, we're going to see Oren Burke start to work his way in here as soon as he's healthy. We also saw Will Redmond come down uh, at safety, down into that dime middle linebacker-ish role in this defense as well. And uh, he didn't record any tackles or any stats in the game, uh, but I thought he actually played pretty well the time that he was out there. I went back and watched some of the, uh, some of the footage back again after uh, celebrating for a couple hours and dancing around my, uh, my, my place. Uh, I went back and watched him, and I was pretty impressed with the snaps that he did play. I thought he was in good position. 
and uh, looked pretty fluid out there for a guy who just a couple months ago we weren't sure was going to make the team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we do need a little bit of help in that hybrid role and pass coverage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Love Blake Martinez. He was all over the field. Uh, Pass coverage just is not his strength. Uh, He's He's growing with that, but um, he certainly needs some help there. And, and unfortunately for B.J. Goodson, it looked like he was a little rusty out there on Sunday. Um, uh, was not getting good depth and, and able to uh, cover any ground from what I saw in the past game. And uh, was pretty shaky in the run game. Didn't really make any plays. Kind of crashed into blockers and, and wasn't really uh, able to uh, shed free and, and, and get some tackles. So... Um, you know, maybe it was just one game, um, and I, I would hope that we can get something from him uh, as long as Burks is out. But he's going to have to be uh, more prepared, I think, to make an impact on the field this week. Otherwise, we may see a, a lot more of Will Redmond, as you said. Mm-hmm. And that would be fine with me because um, I, I liked what I saw from him in the preseason. Perhaps we even see a little bit of Tremont uh, yeah. moving over a little bit more into the middle of the field uh, with the uh, way Kevin King and Jair Alexander played last week. Uh, and I think Kevin uh, was coming off injury and in week one against Chicago, uh, got a lot more snaps this past week Mm -hmm. and seemed to be fully healthy. Um, So uh, that might be another possibility as well. Yeah, and speaking of defensive backs, when we're talking about B.J. Goodson, some who is a relative newcomer, uh, Goody is not afraid to churn this roster uh, at all. And we added a a cornerback this week from Kansas City, uh, Tremont Smith, who uh, has played some defensive back out there in KC, also a kick returner. And that's very noteworthy, I thought, because um, in a corresponding move, the Packers traded Trevor Davis to Oakland. Uh, So uh, Trevor Davis no longer gone. The Packers are no longer here. Uh, Packers get a sixth round pick in return, which I thought was pretty darn good value for Trevor Davis. He'll go to Oakland, have a chance to take some snaps at the wide receiver position out there. But the Packers were able to deal from a position of depth and uh, improve their team in the future while also adding a guy off of uh, off of the uh, waiver wire who's going to help return kicks. And I think that that addition in combination with Darius Shepard seemingly getting back from that hamstring uh, issue um, makes the Packers even maybe more dangerous than they were for the first two weeks. I'm so excited to see what Darius Shepard's going to be able to do in the punt return unit. Yeah, and I really like this move because uh, not only did they get some value for Trevor Davis, and and I like the kid, but uh, let's be honest, he, he never really developed as a wide receiver and we saw a few very minor flashes, and I know that he was being talked up quite a bit by the coaching staff in the preseason, and um, he made a nice play uh, the other week uh, against the Bears, but uh, he, he's a guy that, you know, he's been in the program uh, for a few seasons now, and I think you kind of know what you've got, and we've got some younger talent, I think, and this opens up some additional opportunities as you just so nicely put for Darius Shepard in the return game. I'm not so much uh, confident that we'll see a lot of Darius as a receiver on Mm -hmm. Sunday quite yet, Uh, but uh, as a punt return man, I just, we loved him when we went to see him in person and he delivered in the preseason. Um, But then also with this corresponding move, 
I think that protects Shepard a little bit so he can focus on being the punt return man mm -hmm. and maybe isn't necessarily the primary kick returner. And uh, I think that's uh, a nice to have some versatility and some options uh, in case either of those guys were to get an injury. Um, you've got someone else on the roster that you know that you can turn to and is going to be able to handle those duties. Yeah, no, it was just a it was uh, well said, Wags. I, it was a great move, I thought. And uh, Trevor Davis, I don't believe, took a snap at the wide receiver position last week. So the writing started to maybe be a little bit on the wall there. And um, you're right. I think the Packers are just stacked at the wide out position, um, obviously with Adams and, and MVS and Geronimo. But uh, as we work our way down with, with Lazard and, and with Shepard and with Jake Kumaro, that's just a crowded position group. And um, I think we're going to start to see the Packers cycle in some more wide receivers uh, coming up here in week three at home against Denver. Um, we've got some long guys, we've got some big guys, but wouldn't be surprised if um, Kumaro in particular starts to show up this week and uh, starts to get a couple more snaps. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a guy that has a lot of trust from the quarterback and you know he can run those routes and is going to be able to uh, execute what they're trying to do out there. And we saw some steps forward from the offense uh, mm -hmm. as far as the execution this past week, but it wasn't a full four-quarter performance. So right. let's just put it that way. Um, and so I think having guys out there that, uh, like a Jay Kumro, that can... Uh, really uh, keep the defense honest and on their toes can help everyone on that offense because now, uh, you know, we know Adams is going to be able to do what he does. And so it was nice to see a, a big game from him and a bounce back after kind of a slower start in week one. Yeah. But, um, and I'm not saying Kubro is going to be wide receiver too, but uh, he can kind of break things open a, a little bit, maybe for Geronimo and for MVS because he's another guy that the defense needs to account for when he's out on the field. Um, he, he's not going to necessarily be that downfield threat, but you know he can break free over the middle and he can haul in those passes. So you've got to pay attention to him when he's out there. Yeah, yeah. And I know that uh, we, uh, we've, we've got some listener questions that, that were, we were able to have come in this week and some folks on social media. So we always appreciate that. Um, and uh, anytime that you all are interested, we love answering listener questions and, and, and comments. I thought that um, Packer fans in particular after this last week were pretty dialed up wags. And uh, it, it's been really fun to interact with everybody uh, uh, on that because, um, you know, we're all fans here and uh, we've gotten some good questions, haven't we? Yeah, I, I mean, and a couple, I'm not reading any specific questions, but a couple of comments that I saw um, most everyone was just excited to get the win. Um, some, some folks said, yeah, it was great. Offense didn't look good, but it looked a little ugly, but we'll take it. Um, and, and I certainly can't argue with that sentiment, but uh, in all honesty, this was, uh, we knew that was going to be a grind out performance. I think the way it was scripted and the way it, it, it went made it a little bit more nerve-wracking. Uh, Dane, you might have been a little bit uh, nerve-wracked, I think, at times I on Sunday. I was. So I... we we know how you feel if you were in that um, situation yourself and uh, weren't uh, real happy that the Packers weren't able to put uh, the Vikings away after going up 21-0. Uh, certainly, we need to make sure that 
uh, when we're in that situation moving forward, we score some more points and put away the opponent. Mm -hmm. Whether we win by two touchdowns or five touchdowns, we need to keep that separation and keep our foot to the pedal. So uh, what do you think we can see from this offense, Dane? Let's go right into that. Let's start yeah. to break this down a little bit. Uh, let's. What is going to be the game plan in your mind this week that we can take that step forward? And, you know, maybe it's not about scoring a record number of points mm -hmm. against this a pretty another pretty solid defense here with the Denver Broncos but to be able to you know have some consistency move the football get in some rhythm what do you think is uh, going to be the game plan and what are some things that we should be looking for sure wag so I actually think that um, looking to last week might be a nice forecast into this week. And um, as you touched on, you know, the, the Packers offense started hot and then started to slow down there uh, after those first few series. And I actually attribute this, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but some of it was to the Packers having those first 15 to 20 plays scripted. This is still an offense where these guys are learning the offense. And uh, that, hence the reason that Aaron's wearing the armband uh, with the, some of the plays on it. I think that those first 20 plays, this offense, these players were very comfortable with those plays and we saw the benefits of that. And then once they went away from those scripted plays is when we started to see some struggle. Now, not to take away completely from the Minnesota Vikings coaching staff, I think they made some really strong adjustments during that game, but I thought that the, the script once it's unscripted, change some things. So well, all I think of is this week, it's another week where the Packers are getting more comfortable with this offense. I was really impressed overall uh, by what they were doing out there. So this week going into it, we are facing another really aggressive defense. So how do you beat an aggressive defense? You run the football, you do more of those screen plays. I think that we saw a lot of quick uh, passes from Aaron Rodgers when it was clicking at its best. Sure, uh, Coach Fangio from Denver knows Green Bay and knows the players, but he doesn't know this, these players with this offense, right? He knows a couple games, but he doesn't have a long record uh, to be able to go back to and look to. So I think the Packers, I, I looked at them to start hot again this week. I think uh, the name of the game here for Aaron Rodgers with Coach Lafleur is Aaron, get that ball out, get that ball out. Get that ball out. I think it's going to be quick throws again. And I do think that we're going to be able to run the ball against this Denver Broncos front seven. Yes, they're aggressive. Yes, they have a good pass rush. But what beats a good pass rush is a quarterback as smart as Aaron Rodgers who's able to identify the one-on-one -on -one coverage and get the ball out of his hands. Yeah, and what was interesting about when things kind of slowed down a little bit and we weren't able to get any more points we were still running the ball fairly <laughs> effectively throughout that game. Obviously, with with the number of yards and attempts that Jones had, it's kind of confusing in a way that we didn't end up getting some more scoring opportunities. Um, and I guess, as we talked about in the recap, they gave away a couple of scoring sure opportunities did. as well. But in any event, uh, the game plan, even if the Vikings made some adjustments, seemed to bear out 
pretty well for the most part uh, in that they were able to really establish, I think, a run game. And that's what this offense is predicated off of because they want to get that run game going and then we can move into that play action. We can get that short game, screen game going that you just mentioned. And and then we're once we're in play action, we can take some more shots down the field. And we know number 12 is able to take some shots down the field, especially once he starts feeling loose and good and getting some rhythm and, and feeling like he's in midseason form. So let's take a look at that uh, then because it's only two games, so it's hard to say exactly you know, how this Denver Broncos defense is going to shape out. Because in two games, a lot more of their um, what they're doing, I think, is predicated by the offenses that they face. Mm -hmm. And certainly, I don't think the Raiders or the Bears are going to uh, be top-line offenses in anybody's um, uh, imagination. But they are giving up 125 rush yards a game and 4.4 4, 4 yards per attempt. So that's right middle of the road in the, in the 16th to 18th uh, ranked range uh, defensively across the league. Um, they've given up three rush touchdowns. And as far as pass game goes, they're giving up 190 yards per game against the pass, which is fourth uh, in the league uh, in, in terms of the fewest pass yards allowed. Uh, but they've only um, had 53 passes attempted against them total mm. uh, through two games, which is the second fewest. Uh, and they're giving up uh, completions at a 72% rate, which is pretty bad. That's right down there with the Texans, Redskins, and Dolphins. Yikes. Uh, so I don't really know exactly what this Denver defense is. Are they really good against the pass? They've been a very good defense to the last few seasons. Um, or is it more just the opponents they've faced haven't really, you know, chucked the ball around too much and it's, it's hard to, and they've been more focused on the run game. And, and that's kind of been the result of, of what we're seeing in, uh, when we break this down a little bit further. That's, that's great insight, Wags. And I, I really think it's because these two teams that have come in here to play them so far, uh, it's a little bit of uh, up and down quarterback play, but certainly it's teams thinking they can run the ball against the Denver Broncos defense. And um, after last week watching the Packers, I think the Packers can run the ball against this Denver Broncos defense. The difference is we get that ball and we start running downhill a little bit against Denver. All it takes is Aaron Rodgers, a couple throws to just tear their hearts out and blow this game up pretty quick. Yeah. What was the most shocking to me, Dane, is this Broncos defense, guess how many sacks they have through two games? How many? Zero. Oh. No sacks in the first two games. No. I can't believe that. Oh. Uh, they're the only team in the league that has yet to record a sack. Oh, my God. And you wow. just think about that. With Bradley Chubb and with Von Miller, yeah. they have zero sacks in two games. I couldn't believe that when I saw that. Oh, my that. gosh. And I, certainly those guys are going to have their ears pinned. They're going to be going all out to get, uh, get on the board, so to say, I think, this week. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be hard to shut them out again. Uh, but... Uh, certainly, uh, that's something that was very interesting to me. Wow. And um, I think this offensive line is going to be looking at the tape from the Raiders and, and the Bears those first two weeks and just studying what they were doing and how they were able to have some success against that defensive line. Yeah, and yes, they have a, they have a strong, strong defense. But 
I'm really was impressed, I thought, overall by the, the Packers' offensive line last week. Um, again, Rodgers got hit sometimes here or there. Uh, but overall, I thought that the Packers' O-line adjusted really nicely. Uh, I I also noticed Elton Jenkins started to mix his way in on a few series uh, in relief of Lane Taylor. So I'll be fascinated to see that going into week three. Are we going to continue to see a rotation there? I know that NFL offensive lines do not like to rotate guys if they don't have to. So I think the writing's on the wall that uh, before too long, Elton Jenkins is going to be the starting guard for the Packers there, and they're going to continue to work towards that continuity. Uh, But they're going to have their hands full again this week. But no doubt in my mind, more than in a number of years past, this Packer offensive line is up to the task. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think one other thing just overall that we really need to see is co- to continue that tempo mm-hmm. throughout the game. In the first quarter, they were getting up. We talked about it. I said it in the uh, recap of the Bears game. Look for them to focus that and, on that in practice this week. Uh, toot toot, I'm going to toot my own horn because that was all over the news all week um, about how Lafleur wanted to emphasize that they get up to the line. Uh, we talked about Rodgers having um, uh, the um, um, wristband. Yeah. Um, apparently he didn't use it a lot, but for some of the longer terminology, um, Lafleur can just call out, you know, 22, and then he can go into the huddle and read that off, and they can get up to the line. I thought Rodgers was making some some quicker reads pre-snap, and uh, there was a lot of snaps where they were uh, hiking that ball with you know, six to 10 seconds left on the play clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and versus in week one, it seemed like almost every time they got up to the line that the play clock was running down to zero uh, as they were snapping the football. So uh, that slowed down a little bit as the game went on. And again, I think after they got out of those uh, first 15 to 20 scripted plays, mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier, um, I don't know if it was slower getting the plays in. Uh, if they just uh, weren't able to get up to the line, there were more pre- pre-snap reads. What it was, maybe a combination of all of those things. Uh, but uh, they had a, a few more instances where it took them a little bit longer to, to get that ball snapped. So I'd like to see them clean that up for a full four quarters. Mm-hmm. As it seemed like they had a lot more rhythm when they were up there and moving a little bit. And the defense wasn't able to settle in and make their pre-snap reads as well. Yeah, and uh, Packer fans, we knew the offense would be, um, you know, uh, a work in progress. But after two weeks, after that first week, I understand the concern. But after the second week, I really think we're able to see glimpses, more glimpses into what this offense is capable of. And I really do expect to see the Packers uh, continue to trend towards more points going into week three. I think they're going to be rolling. I think Lambeau Field's going to be rocking on Sunday. And um, I'm really looking forward to this home-friendly crowd allowing the Packers' offense to continue to grow uh, before their eyes. So, Dane, we got a couple uh, listener questions yeah, that I have love to them. do with the offense. So uh, why don't we uh, cue the first one up? Yes, week? love it. Hey, uh, Dane and uh, Wags, uh, Mac calling again. Not Coach Mac, uh, unfortunately. Uh, you guys have mentioned that before. You saw him. I might have been Coach Mac, but no. Dane just Mac, so just a coincidence, I guess. Uh, yeah, back from vacation. Uh, it was good. It was good. Um, Packers got the win. Uh, week two, uh, they started off hot. Great first quarter, but uh, 
you know, they, but they were able to put up enough points to get 10 with the W. So that's all. That's all that matters there. Uh, uh, I'm gonna, I got a question for you guys. Um, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, what do you think about, um, what he can do for the pack? I mean, is he gonna step up to that number two, that number two spot? I mean, the Packers could really use that extra weapon, uh, besides Adams in the receiver, in the receiver category. Uh, I think he's got the talent, and I think Rodgers needs to trust him a little bit more. Rodgers needs to, you know, just throw him the ball sometimes, even if he looks a little covered. That guy's got some great athleticism. He can make it, he can make it happen. So, um, uh, I think it's really important that the Packers get that number two, uh, receiver established, uh, this season if they want to really, uh, push for that Super Bowl ring. Uh, and you know, yeah, go Pack Go, and, uh, I uh, love this year pod as usual, and uh, sounds good. Take care. Bye. So, Dane, it's not <laughs> Coach Mack. I'm, call, I'm calling him Coach Mack from now on. Uh, I, okay. Um, well, first of all, I have to say I love Mack's accent. I, I hear that uh, people tell me once in a while they can tell that I have, I'm from Wisconsin. I've got that accent. <laughs> but I think Mack's from, like, the deep Wisconsin, Bosco Bell, Dodgeville area, yep. um, and we love it. So, so Mac, thank you so much for listening. And uh, apparently, we encouraged him a little bit after his answering his question last week. Yeah, so. Mac, are you from? Where are you from? Next week, call us again. Uh, I'm guessing Rhinelander. Rhinelander. Okay, yeah. that's a good. That's that could be. So, Mac from Rhinelander. <laughs> for now, until further notice. <laughs> yeah. um, and and really good question too, yeah. Mac, because we were. You know, alluding to this earlier, that we wanted to see these receivers get more involved. I, I mentioned Kumro earlier, and, and how can we get um, Geronimo and MBS uh, going in this pass game? Uh, that could also be a silver lining if Jimmy is out for this week. Yeah. Certainly we would prefer that he's able to go, but maybe that kind of forces the issue a little bit. But, Dane, what do you think is going to be what it takes to get MBS going a little bit here this week? Yeah, no, so I'm actually going to go um, bigger picture on this Packers offense. I think, obviously, Devontae Adams is the man. Um, but I'm less and less convinced that the Packers need a quote-unquote number two receiver. I think this offense... Uh, could really be built upon having Adams being the guy. Uh, but on the other side, week to week, a different guy is eating. I think MVS has all the skill set in the world. I think he could be a number two. Um, but at the same time, I think that he could be a two one week. He might be the number one one week. He might be all over the place because he's that kind of talent. He's a big play receiver. Geronimo, a little bit bigger guy, pretty lengthy or a, a lanky, but we saw him pull down a, a nice touchdown reception. Uh, but don't be surprised if we're going to see other guys. I think Kumro is going to actually make some noise, if not this week, in the coming weeks. And I think that he might be a 100-yard receiver one week. So don't be shocked, folks, if you're going to see Adams getting his. But then week to week, it might be MVS. It might be Kumaro. Heck, it might be Darius Shepard. could be Geronimo. You're going to see other guys. And don't forget about Lazard over there either. Um, different guys making big plays in big moments. And um, that's what makes this offense potentially so dangerous is how do you cover all these guys? I don't know how you do it. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And the reality is, is MVS is your deep threat and he's a second year receiver. 
So he's probably going to be a little bit inconsistent week to week anyway, mm -hmm. and he's still developing. So maybe he's not quite ready to consistently uh, deliver week after week the way Adams has been able to. And remember, it took Devontae a few seasons to develop into that role. Uh, it wasn't him as the number one guy. I mean, we had uh, obviously Jordy and Cobb ahead of him for a few seasons, and then Devontae just slowly started to take over. So I think let's just hold the horses a little bit. I love the enthusiasm. And Mac, it was actually a really good question. Yeah. Um, so I'm not faulting the question at all. But in general, I think we may be putting a little bit too high of expectations on this kid. Um, I think you're absolutely right. He's going to have some weeks where he makes some big plays down the field and those turn into touchdowns. Um, and I think he can be a, a stretch threat in the red zone as well. But it's not necessarily going to be every week. And, and it could be matchup dependent too. Because week one, it was all about the tight ends. Uh, it wasn't just Jimmy Graham, but Mercedes Lewis had a couple of catches. Yeah. Uh, and we saw Tunyon get, get in there for a big catch. And that seemed to be where we were able to pick our spots and exploit some mismatches against the Bears. And then the next week against the Vikings, the tight ends aren't anywhere to be seen in the past game. And I don't know that that is necessarily anything or an indictment against any of those guys in particular, we just saw some different formations and we saw the receivers get much more involved. Yeah, Wags, uh, as we're talking about this, um, if I had to, I'm going to rate all these receivers right now. Devontae Adams, he's the stud. <laughs> MVS, deep threat uh, with, with a ton of room to grow. Geronimo Allison is your big catch, big moment guy. Y'all remember him against Dallas a few years ago in the playoffs? He is a guy who does not shy away from the big moment. He's Kumaro, kind of like a bigger Randy Cobb, right? He, he is. He's I mean, big. He, he's he, not going to get make as probably as many catches week to week, but he's a bigger target, yes. and you know he's the guy that I absolutely agree with that. He squeezes the ball in a big moment. Sure. He's the guy. Uh, Kumaro, Mr. Reliable. You know where he's going to be. He runs good routes, has good trust uh, uh, from them. Uh, Darius Shepard, he's like Flash. <laughs> he's going to be a guy who, when he works his way in, I think is going to be um, just a, a dynamic player, certainly on special teams, but I think he has all the ability in the world. And Lazard, he's like the young, long guy who I think is going to be able to do a little bit of everything. He's got pretty good speed for his size, but he's also able to go up, not afraid to go across the middle. So you combine all of those guys' talents, and um, it just makes for a really dynamic offense where you're able to mix different guys in. And to your point, different weeks, different matchups, different results, but I think more often than not going to be very positive, strong results. Okay, so um, I don't know if you, do you have anything else on the offense or should we transition over to the defensive side then? No, I think uh, that's, a, that's a good uh, touch on offense. Congratulations to Aaron Rodgers. The Packers decided this year to do um, team captains for the year after week two. Uh, a bit of a departure from previous seasons. And uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, voted by his peers as captain uh, from the offensive side of the football. Okay, great. So let's uh, get into the defense then. And why don't we start with just some takeaways from last week. Uh, overall, uh, I think we have to be pretty pleased with, with the way the defense performed. Obviously, we gave up a, a few big plays that I think 
Uh, we want to try to limit those as much as possible uh, this week and, and moving forward. But I th the things that stood out to me the most, uh, you know, Blake Martinez all over the field, stepping up and mm -hmm. making plays. Uh, that was a tough, tough assignment uh, for him to try to uh, bring down, um, uh, you know, um, a tough uh, running game. And um, help me out here, Dane. I'm blanking out. Cook? Uh, yes, Delvin Cook, I'm sorry. And uh, to um, come up with as many tackles, he had uh, 13 overall tackles for the game, and I thought he was all over the field. Um, but then our two young corners on the outside, uh, King and Jair Alexander. Yep. I mean, they got beat a couple of times, but when you look at play after play and over the course of a full game, those guys just played phenomenally. I couldn't be happier with what we're seeing from them. Dane, what were some other things that stood out to you about the defense? Uh, Wags. So uh, through a couple weeks, Darius Smith and the Green Bay Packers lead the NFL in pressuring the quarterback. That's insane. <laughs> And I mean, the Smiths. Man. I'm smiling. I can't. I can't. Like you can't see it on listeners, but I just we're smiling. Yeah. And and one other thing. Well, how about Kenny Clark? We oh. highlighted that. What a matchup that would be. And mm -hmm. Kenny Clark uh, was. I saw the highest-rated player uh, on the defense by Pro Football Focus this wow. week. And he he showed that young guy what it's all about in this league. I think he took uh, that matchup and he said, I'm going to win this battle and show some people around the league that I mean business this year. And he was uh, very disruptive uh, in getting into that backfield. Yeah, I mean, there was even a holding call on the center at one point, which you don't see all that much of the centers getting holding calls because they normally have help from a guard. And uh, Kenny Clark just kicked the crap out of him on a lot of snaps. Uh, there's no other way to put it. I love Kenny Clark. He is just an absolute animal. And uh, yes, he's athletically talented, but he also has a motor on him that does not quit. Watch him, young young kids that, that are playing middle school, high school football, go watch Kenny Clark for a couple series and watch a guy who doesn't quit, has great hand placement, and clearly just loves to play the game of football. Um, I thought that um, the, the, the photo that made the headlines, of course, we posted it on Instagram and on Facebook and Twitter, was uh, after the Preston Smith interception where they all are posing for the camera. And um, it's bigger than that. This is a defense that loves each other right now. They're feeding off each other. They're vibing off each other. It's very obvious when they're doing stuff like that after an interception in the middle of what, the first quarter, early second quarter, and that play happens. These are guys that all think that they're the best defense in the league. And you could tell. And guess what? They might be. <laughs> well, uh, we'll see. Well, we got to go over a 16-game season. Uh, we missed a couple opportunities to secure some turnovers, sure. didn't we? That was a big key that we talked about going into the week. Uh, we got a few turnovers. Uh, I'm not really counting the last fumble recovery of the game. No. Um, but uh, so that was a positive, certainly. I think we forced four turnovers, um, and uh, including that last one. Um, so three real turnovers for us. But we could have had a couple more. Mm -hmm. So uh, think about that, Dane. We've been forcing some turnovers through a couple of weeks. And we can count probably five or six opportunities that we could have gotten our hands on the ball pretty easily and uh, gotten uh, some, some nice opportunities to go the other way. So <laughs> I don't think we're going to continue to see a lot of those. 
uh, Jair Alexander, I, I mentioned in our <laughs> post game, um, had a few that I think he certainly wants back. But uh, that young man was not lacking for any confidence and said, just go watch the tape. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He knows. And I agree with him. Me too. Uh, he had a phenomenal game overall. Uh, a couple of opportunities slipped through his hands. But he ain't going to let that happen again. No, I mean, I, I'm sorry. Joe Flacco doesn't want to play against the Packers defense this week. He's been watching film, going into an incredibly loud environment. The only thing that Flacco has going for him is it's not mid-December and it's not freezing Atlanta. All right. So let's break down the Denver offense a little bit. Get a little scouting Please. report on them. So uh, through, again, caveat, only two games, but uh, some tendencies here. So uh, they're actually uh, chucking the ball a little bit, Dane. Okay. Um, they threw the ball 50 times last week Oof. against the Bears. Um, Flacco was 35 of 50 for 290 yards. So uh, they moved the ball a little bit through the air against Chicago. So that's, that's an interesting thing to be looking at. Um, he's completed 69% of his passes, okay. and uh, they're averaging 268 pass yards per game in the first two weeks. Uh, they were playing from behind a little bit against the Raiders, uh, which was a little bit of a surprise in week one. Um, but... Um, uh, the running game has been a little bit slow mm -hmm. uh, under this uh, new regime, and they're only averaging 3.9 yards per rush um, and just 92 yards per game. So they're right in that 18 to 20th range uh, with their rushing offense. And I think this is a team that if they want to predicate themselves on their defense, um, they're going to want to probably try to at some point, I don't know if it's going to happen this week against the Packers, but I have to think that Fangio, being a defensive-minded guy, is going to want to get that run game going at some point in time. No doubt about it. And they've got some pretty talented running backs, really. I think Royce Freeman's pretty, pretty darn good. I think Philip Lindsay showed a lot of folks last year that he can play ball. And um, the thing that scares me about those guys, and, and Lindsay in particular, I guess, is um, he can break away. And we saw it this last week uh, with, with Cook, as you mentioned. Um, they Packers gave up some chunk plays. I worry this week that they allow that kind of run again where you're just smothering them and then it's off to the races. Uh, so I think going into this week, um, they're going to, they being the Packers defense, is going to need to just double down and make sure that they're doing sure tackling, they're filling their lanes. I thought overall they did a great job of that last week. But I would expect another heavy dose of, of course, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, um, hopefully Montrevious Adams is, is able to go. But again, Tyler Lancaster, who we saw play a ton of snaps last week, far more than he played in week one. And the reason for that, again, is because he's a run stuffer. So this Packer defense, they want to stop the run and force Joe Flacco into third and long. And I think that that's what we're going to look to do again this week and make Joe Flacco beat us through the air. Yeah, and it's uh, something that was slightly concerning last week is as that game wore on, we saw a few more missed tackles yeah. uh, in that, especially against those rushes. And so um, it'll be interesting to see what do the Denver Broncos want to do. Through the first two weeks, they haven't really had uh, their running game going. Is that more because of the game flow and, and the fact that they were going against a, a tough Bears defense and playing from behind in week one against the Raiders? Um, or was it just that those uh, that front uh, line for the, for the Broncos wasn't able to uh, get any push and, and get any rhythm going? Um, so I don't know. Perhaps the Packers could even use that to their advantage. 
does this Denver Broncos offense have an identity? Do they know what they want to do um, that is going to be their calling card and is going to pair with the defense they have? And uh, so I don't know. They're going to be looking at that game film for sure and saying, okay, well, this seems like the opponent that we should be able to get this running game going. Mm -hmm. If you're the Denver Broncos coaching staff, you've got to believe that you're looking at that Vikings uh, offense and saying, all right, well, this is where the week we need to get this this run game going, keep this Packer offense off the field, and uh, hopefully we can get some pressures on uh, the quarterback on Rodgers and uh, force them to punt, punt the ball. Um, grind out some clock, win that time of possession. We're going up to Lambeau. Um, we don't want to uh, let that uh, offense be out on the field and, and limit that as much as possible. So I look for the Broncos to probably flip a little bit and try to run the ball a little bit more this week than they have in the first two weeks. But that's where I just said, does that cause a little bit of an identity crisis for them? And are they, uh, you know not able to establish what they need to do uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, no, it's it's good um good point and maybe they don't know it yet. Maybe they're still trying to figure out who they want to be. Uh, I know that um they brought in Joe Flacco for a reason, right? You you don't go get a guy uh that that's got that much um history in the league without uh without at least having some semblance of wanting to pass the football, but I will say this that um, John Elway, since Peyton Manning's retired, is still, I think, probably looking for his long-term solution at quarterback. I know they drafted that kid in the third round this year, and he's injured. So um, we're definitely going to be seeing Joe Flacco on Sunday. There's not a quarterback controversy yet. Okay. Well, uh, that actually sets up, up pretty well. Uh, I think we have another listener question yeah. that's uh, pretty well related to that. So let's cue that up. Hey, Legends. I guess it's Bill from Fondy calling again. Thanks for answering my call last week. But I just wanted to know how you guys feel about facing off against an elite quarterback like Joe Flacco this week. Have a good one. Bye. All right. So, Dane, uh, okay, first of all, Bill Bill. from Fondy, you can tell us your real name next week. (laughs) Appreciate the callback. Another good question. But, Dane, I have to ask, do you consider Joe Flacco to be an elite quarterback? Um, No. (laughs) he's not he's not elite he wasn't elite he's never been an elite quarterback but he does have something that most quarterbacks want that's a Super Bowl ring so maybe he's not elite in stats uh, but he certainly has an eliteness to him in uh, a role on a Super Bowl winning team he got super hot at the right time in his career, and he ended up with a Super Bowl ring. And I'm not saying that to belittle his ability. I thought that he had one of those stretches where he could do no wrong for when he was a Baltimore Raven there for a little bit. But he's certainly come back down to earth since then. I think he can beat you. He's won an awful lot of football games in his career, not just that Super Bowl year, but overall. And he's had a good team that surrounds him. I think he's still getting acclimated to this team and to this offense and to a new coaching staff and to a new city and all the things that happen uh, when you leave a professional team at a later stage in your career. So no, he's not elite, but that doesn't mean he's not talented. And that doesn't mean that if you don't give him an opportunity, he can't take it away from you. Yeah, he's got an arm. Yeah. 
So you've got to respect that. And they've got some playmakers on their offense as well. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, I think most Packer fans will be well acquainted with he's him. He's a good ball player. He's a, gr he's a good receiver. And uh, Cortland Sutton, um, who is a young guy, and, and he's uh, come on and didn't practice today. So I'm not really? sure what that was about. He had, Ooh, some, he had a okay. rib injury. But uh, has had a strong start to the season. He had uh, seven catches for 120 yards this past week against the Bears. Uh, so he's a guy that uh, can make some plays out there. And so I think in the past game, what makes a guy like Flacco a little bit difficult to defend at times is that uh, they can send those receivers down the field. And he's good at taking his shots, but then also dumping it off to the running backs. And that's what we're seeing uh, their running backs uh, between Freeman and Lindsey uh, have combined for 15 receptions in the wow. first two games. So uh, that's going to be something that's going to be a real key because um, the Packer linebackers haven't always uh, been, you know, uh, real strong in coverage. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So we're going to need uh, Redmond to come in and yeah. I think Tremont to, to come up and, and really help with that. And the the challenge is is that does put those guys out on an island in Jair and Kevin King and I think they were proved that they were up to the task last week but they're going to have their hands full again this week um, and we're going to need some help from, from Amos and from Savage over the top to combat that but I think that can also present us some opportunities to take away the football again this week. Yeah, and I, you know who we haven't mentioned on this defense, and he hasn't played all that many snaps, but I, I think we might see work his way in a little bit this week, is uh, Josh Jackson, our second-round pick from last year. Um, there was some debate if he'd be a cornerback or a safety coming out of college. He's listed as a cornerback for the Packers. And um, he hasn't played that dime role at all, and I don't necessarily think that's the right fit for him. But don't be surprised if we start to see him work his way in just a little bit, maybe five to ten snaps this week. And I'm, I'm just, I just keep an eye on that. I don't know. It's a gut feeling. I saw him on the sidelines last week. He's dressed last week, played special teams last week, and um, I think that uh, the Packers have the um, ability, frankly, to bring him along at a slower pace this year and work him in uh, but something tells me this might be the right moment against the right offense where um, he he gets a couple snaps yeah and he was a guy that um, in college in that Iowa program was never really a man-to-man -man cover guy mm -hmm. uh, he was uh, more in a zone scheme and so Perhaps if he's someone that they can use to cover the flat, cover that tight end, exactly. uh, he might get a little bit of confidence and he can kind of sit back and just break on the ball. Uh, what's going to be important for a guy like Jackson is that he is sound in, in making tackles right. because that was an area that he struggled a little bit last season is he would come up and make a break and unfortunately uh, was missing quite a few tackles. And that's just not something that we're going to be able to um, deal with. So uh, if he's able to come in and get some confidence, and, and perhaps you're right, uh, that would be a good situation, a good fit for him uh, to be able to make some contributions. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, this is, uh, I think we're geared up here. Uh, do we have any other questions that came in? I think we had another couple that came in that I, I really liked. Yeah, so we do have one more that I'm going to queue up here, and I think it's a good way to sum up where we are through two weeks. So uh, let's go ahead and give it a listen. Do you think Green Bay, do you think the Green Bay Packers will win the Super Bowl this year? 
or at least make the playoffs. Yeah. All right, so Dane, I, I am ready for this question. I love it's it. only been two weeks, um, but first of all, before we answer the question, another anonymous caller. What are we calling this? Th guy? Thanks for calling in. Uh, but I don't know. Like I like at the end. He goes, yeah. So like the dude. Uh, yeah, right. the dude, the dude from Waukesha, the, yeah. dude, the dude abides, the yeah. dude from Shaw. <laughs> All right. So yeah, thanks so much for calling. And are we a playoff team? Are we a team that can make a run to the Super Bowl? It's only been two weeks, but hey, it's not too early to start talking about it, is it? Well, we're first place in the NFC North, Wags, <laughs> and I'm proud of that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's super early. So many things happen. Uh, but as you talked about at the top of this podcast, Wags, we're 2-0 and with a ton of room for improvement. So um, things are trending the right way for the Packers. All sorts of things happen on the road, not only to the playoffs, but certainly to the Super Bowl. But this team early on, good energy, seems to have really good camaraderie. And uh, it seems to have at least the, the right ingredients for the kind of team that can make the playoffs and maybe go uh, even further in it. I'm not going to go and say, yes, we're going to do this. I'm not a hot take guy all that often. But I will say that I see the ingredients. We've seen a lot of Packer football over the years, and I like what we see so far. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it's for, it starts with getting into the playoffs because you just have to have an opportunity. It, we won the Super Bowl in 2010 as a sixth seed. So <laughs> yeah. ideally you have a bye, ideally you have home games at Lambeau, um, but it's just about getting in, first of all. And uh, secondly, you've got to love what we're seeing from the defense. We have a defense, Dane, so that's something that can carry you into the playoffs, and then once you're there, you know, uh, just let the chips fall where they may, but that certainly has to increase your chances. Mm -hmm. That's been something that has let us down um, over the last few seasons, and even in the seasons before that when we were making the playoffs, didn't have a ton of confidence that it was a team that maybe necessarily was going to win a Super Bowl. Uh, we came close to getting there, a couple of times, but um, with the defense that we had, it was sort of uh, the writing was on the wall, right? So, yeah. um, but guess what? As I said, I'm not someone that's always been strong at math, but two and O means <laughs> what? Magic number probably get to ten wins, yeah. and we're getting into the playoffs. That seems to be the number that gets you in over the years. Certainly not guaranteed, but the other factor is we. We're 2-0 against divisional yes. opponents. Tiebreakers can come into play at the end of the season. So um, I don't know about you, Dane, but I'd rather be uh, liking our chances to have to just get eight more wins mm -hmm. versus 10 more wins after two weeks. Eight and six versus 10 and four. Huge difference uh, in terms of what we need to do if we were 0-2 versus 2-0. And then uh, that tiebreaker scenario can really come into play, not only divisionally, but against conference foes as well. Yeah, and I'm just so confident in how this defense is coming along. I can't say enough to it. I mentioned Aaron Rodgers as captain of the offensive side of the ball. Zadarius Smith, the newcomer, is the captain on the defensive side of the ball, voted by his peers. And that's just 
goes to show the complete shakeup and change in culture that we've seen in this defense over the last year, year and a half. Uh, Zadarius, our captain, I saw earlier today that uh, he has vowed to take the entire team out to dinner. Wow. <laughs> not just the defense, not just the position group, the entire team he's taking out. He's, he's a leader. He's a leader of men on the defensive side of the ball. Wags, you and I were at training camp and uh, a kid was selling youth football tickets for the local team up there and Zadaria Smith committed to buying a ticket to help support that kid. He's a leader. He's a guy that you want to have on your team. He's 26 years old. Um, he, he just, he gets it. There's guys that sometimes get it. There's some guys that don't get it. You can tell right away that he gets it and he's going to lead this defense uh, very, very strongly. And that's really where I feel the strength here as we look to the playoffs potentially. And again, very far down the road, we know what Rodgers can do. I know what Devontae Adams can do. I know what that offensive line can do. But guess what? Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Darnell uh, Savage, uh, Amos, all these other guys, like combined, they are just nasty. And I, I believe. Yeah. And I mean, just to not get too far ahead of ourselves, these next few weeks will be significant yeah. at, at the end of the day. You know, a lot of attention gets paid to the last few games of the season, but we need to take advantage of the schedule here. Uh, we have five games at, out of six at home, and uh, we're coming into that second one uh, here against a, a Broncos team that you know is going to be scratching and clawing because no one wants to start the season 0-3. Uh, you're pretty much cooked at that yeah. point. So, uh, But it's a home game uh, against a team that, quite honestly, with the strengths that we have against their strengths and their weaknesses and vice versa, uh, you have to like our chances to, I think, hopefully come out with a strong victory this week. And then it's a short week um, coming back on Thursday against the Eagles. Mm -hmm. So this next two and a half, two weeks um, will be telling. And um, if we're somehow, I, again, I don't want to look too far ahead, but I really like that that short week is another home game on Thursday. Um, and uh, that's something that's going to be a key. Um, who's going to be more ready to go? A lot of times on those Thursday games, uh, home field can really make a, a much more of an impact. So I think the uh, after two really tough games, and these are, don't get me wrong, Ooh, they're two, tough two, too. Yeah. two tough opponents as well, but they're home games. And I think the way the schedule is laid out with it being a, a Sunday at home and then a Thursday at home uh, is really favorable to the Packers. They got to go out there and execute and make it happen. Uh, but if they're able to, uh, you know, capitalize on these two early wins and come out with two more strong performances in the next couple of weeks, um, that really, really, really puts them in great position then uh, if we're talking about playoffs uh, and we get into the second half of the season. Wags, I got to tell you, we started this podcast last year. We've been lifelong Packer fans, but um, didn't always have fun after the games last year talking about it after some losses. It was therapy. We said in the first few episodes, this is just therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's exactly what it was. Yeah, and, and now we're sitting here after two weeks and after two wins I'm having so much fun talking about the Packers and engaging with all the all you all out there, all you listeners, and we just we love you and we're so appreciative. You you follow us on 
on Instagram, Lombardi's Legends, and Facebook, Lombardi's Legends, and Twitter, uh, Lombardi's Legends Pod. You can email us, Lombardi's Legends Pod at gmail.com. Uh, there's just so many ways. And what you can call us too, right, Wags? Yeah, so call that She's Head Sound Off Hotline. As you just heard from a few of uh, our fellow fans out there, uh, that's uh, 608-285-2128. You can call us any day, any time, day and night. Uh, you can wake Dane up. <laughs> it goes right to voicemail. It goes Alex. right to voicemail. It's all, all good. reality. Um, so if you have a take, have a question, uh, go ahead and give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, last thing, uh, just to uh, reinforce and, and self-promote a little bit, We'd love if you'd give us a nice rating yes. uh, wherever you listen to us. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, give us a rating or a review on Facebook. Um, if, uh, if you like what you hear, share us with a friend. Um, we, we like uh, talking Packers. We're very passionate about it, and we're excited about some, some potential opportunities to, to get some more uh, really cool interviews, hopefully, coming up um, uh, over the, the course of the season and obviously looking way ahead into the offseason. Um, so really enjoy uh, talking in, in uh, Packers and really appreciate all you giving us a chance to, to listen and engage with us as well. Yeah, so if you're listening on your commute to work right now, I don't care if you're in an office cubicle, um, we hope you do it with us right now. We end every podcast the same way. Say it with us. Go, go Pack, go! go.